Brothers, sisters, and friends, it's hardly necessary at this point to emphasize to you how happy I am to be here. Been here now 24 hours. The only complaint that I have to make, and that's not too badly because I've had the same complaint in Norfolk. It's just a little too warm for us all. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk to you this evening about a subject that is more misunderstood than it is understood. And yet it is a scriptural subject. Predestination. We are told in scripture that in the multitude of counselors there is safety. And it's particularly good on occasions such as we have at this evening to speak to my brethren, my brothers and sisters on those things most surely believed among us. Isolation for the most part is a bad thing. If we grow, frequently we grow in circles. It's when we are assembled together with a diverse group such as we have here from many various walks of life drawn by the same magnetism of the truth that we can have an interchange of ideas and expression of thoughts and crystallize that truth. So it is a pleasure to be here, especially to be able to speak to you of those things most surely believed among us. Since I have been here, I have been favorably impressed by the spirit of humility and the spirit of service that has been prevalent at this Bible school. With such two formidable weapons, how can it fail? We have a supreme weapon here, spoken of as being the sword of the Spirit, sharper than any two-edged sword, separating the joints and the marrow, and cunning asunder the soul and the spirit, and separating the joints and the marrow, and discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book of Scripture, as you well know, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that is as it should be. It should instruct us. It should, when it's necessary, rebuke us. And for reproof, that the man of God may indeed be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now there is a fine line that separates the sublime from the ridiculous. There is a fine line that separates the logical from the illogical. 
There are in the world today many individuals who sincerely believe in the doctrine of predestination, sincerely to the point of absurdity. One individual told me several years ago that he believed in this doctrine of predestination to the point where that if he stepped on an insect in the ultimate sense of the word, he had no choice in the matter. A forces greater than himself conspired to bring about that at that precise moment for him to step on an insect. He said it in all sincerity. If that were true, if that were true, we then should throw discretion to the wind. And why should we suppress or govern ourselves because what will be shall be and we have no choice in the matter. We are all just pawns under the control of a supreme being and concerning our destiny we have no control over it. Not too many years ago in Arlington, Virginia, they had a volunteer fire department. Well, one of these individuals who believed in the doctrine of predestination, you know you there's such a thing as conviction and conduct, he was thoroughly convinced that there was the doctrine of predestination, that it influenced his conduct to the point where that when he went to a fire, he threw discretion to the wind, was not only a brave man on occasion, but also a foolhardy man, exposing himself and others to unnecessary danger. So the chief called him into question and said, Now listen, we want brave men in this organization, but we do not want foolhardiness. And there again, there's a fine line between bravery and foolhardiness. He says, well, think nothing of it. Nothing is going to happen unless it's supposed to happen. And if it's supposed to happen, nothing that we can do can prevent it. Oh, consistency, thou art a jewel. Just a few days later, one of the members of the department who was a pilot had asked this particular individual to go up for an air flight one Sunday afternoon. And he refused. And word got back to the chief that he had refused to go up. So the chief called him into question and said, I do not understand your logic. You expose yourself to all kinds of unnecessary danger here on the ground, and yet you will refuse to go up in an airplane. I'd just like to know why. He said, well, chief, it works this way. We all have been assigned a number. Now, when we get up there in the air 10,000 feet and they decide to call the pilot's number, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> now, the truth on this subject of predestination, as is so often the case, is not found in such extremes. It's taken the supply to the, to the border of being ridiculous. 
The scriptures do not teach that we are so many automatons, pawns as it were, in the hands of a master creator concerning which we have no control over our destiny. We must, according to the scripture that is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction, separate the wheat from the chaff and take verses which are on the surface that apparently appear to be contradictory and when we analyze them further with other scripture we find instead of contradiction complete harmony that is as it should be because the deity is not the author of confusion a case in point the scripture tells us on one hand the race is not to the swift the battle is not to the strong but time and chance happeneth to all who among us here tonight has not seen that principle in operation where we find a fine specimen of youth that looking at him scholastically speaking and physically and mentally speaking the one to be voted most likely to succeed and yet tragedy will strike and he will suddenly no longer be in the land of the living so the truth of that statement is borne out in cold sober reality that the race indeed is not to the swift the battle is not to the strong but time and chance happeneth to all then on the other hand we find another verse coming directly from the lips of the master himself who assures those that are his are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them should not fall to the ground without your father knowing it the very hairs of your head are numbered so there we find the two extremes one apparently with no interest the other with so much interest that the very hairs of your head are numbered how do we reconcile and differentiate between the two so that we may have truth come into his proper focus so we try to find out what predestination is predestination we are told means to chart the course to mark off beforehand anything that is predestined has by someone been marked off beforehand or the course has been charged now according to the works of the deity in this cosmos of order of things what has been marked off what has been charted and to what extent are we as individuals involved therein let us take the physical world in which we live this terrestrial ball upon which we dwell revolving upon its axis once every 24 hours and around the sun once each year giving us seed time and harvest summer and winter night and day in their season 
what is predestined about it. Ever since the Lord created the heavens, it has been predestined that such should be the case. The earth abideth forever. In fact, the deity even used the orderly predestined order of the physical universe to give emphasis to his promises that he gave to the children of Israel. If you can break my covenant with night and day that they should not be in their season, then also may my covenant with David be broken that he should not have a seed to set upon his throne. The word of the Lord has gone forth. It will not return unto him void, but it shall accomplish that thing whereunto he sat. Such is true of the physical world. Now how about the political, economic, ecclesiastical, and social world in which we live? We find that this world, socially, politically, economically, and ecclesiastically, does not in its present state redound to the honor and glory of the Lord. But it has been predestined for those almost 2,500 years according to the words of Moses when he says, Truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with my glory as the waters cover the sea. I said 2,500 years. More closely to 3,500 years. When Moses said, Truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with my glory as the waters cover the sea. That statement was uttered by the power of the prophet. It is predestined to come to pass. The nation of Israel, to whom it was addressed, had certain things predestined concerning its future. At Mount Sinai, they were given a choice. A choice to this degree. Do this and live, or do that and die. It's particularly recorded, I believe, in the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy, where the Lord enumerates the blessings that he would give to the children of Israel if they were but hearken unto my voice. And contrary wise, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour my cursings upon you if you fail to hearken to my voice. Profane and also biblical history leaves us a record which course they chose to follow. What was predestined in the case of the nation of Israel? The course had been charted. It had been marked off beforehand. So those that had eyes to see and ears to hear could foresee the evil and avoid the pitfalls. And God was not slack concerning that which he had predestined. The record of the nation of Israel indicates to us which path they chose to follow. And it's nonetheless true in the case of Christ who is the seed of Abraham. It was predestined that a virgin in Israel should conceive and bring forth a son 
and his name should be called Jesus. In the fullness of time, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And yet, to what extent did predestination operate in the life of Jesus? It operated in the life of Jesus to the point that of necessity he must be born of a virgin in Israel. Of necessity he must be born of the tribe of Judah, of the lineage of David, of the root and stock of Israel. But it was not predestined that he should be a perfect man. Because relative to the prophecy that charted the course or marked off that it would become a certainty also says if he commit iniquity I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. These things are historical facts. But we are living in a day and age where you and I as individuals need to be identified with something positive. Wherein do these things that have been predestinated in times past affect you and affect me? And strangely enough, through the same Bible that enlightens us of things in the past also serves its purpose in the present. For by power of the gospel which is able to make you wise unto salvation through a belief of those things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus the Christ, you become identified with that which has been predestined. And on an individual basis, you find yourself in the same position that Israel, in a collective sense, found itself at the foot of Mount Sinai when the voice said, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Do this and live, do that and die. And that is precisely the choice that the Lord has given to you right up to this present time. It is not predestined that you as an individual should get into the kingdom. It is not predestined that I as an individual should get into the kingdom. But the chart has been, call, uh, been chart, uh, charted. The course has been charted. Just like when I left Norfolk Saturday morning, I had confidence that the pilot knew where he was going. Looking out into the sea of clouds, you had to have faith in it. Because what I saw didn't look like we were heading for Arkansas. (laughs) But I had confidence in him. And there was no miracle that we arrived. It was our good fortune that we arrived. But no miracle. It had been charted beforehand. He knew that at a given rate of speed, so many degrees east or west or north or south as the case may be, and a calculated amount of time, you would arrive in Arkansas. And believe it or not, according to the schedule that I left in Norfolk, supposedly to leave at 6.05 a.m. Norfolk time, I didn't leave until 6.40, a few delays here and there, I arrived, literally speaking, within one minute according to the scheduled time. 
the cost had been charted. He had the vision to realize that he could not tamper with that chart. He could not tamper with that course and reasonably expect to arrive at his destination. So he kept on course and arrived. And by the same token, we have certain things enumerated for us that correspond to what was enumerated to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. The fruits of the Spirit, do this and live, the works of the flesh, do that and die. So instead of finding yourselves in the position of pawns, as it were, having no control of your destiny, you find yourself in a singular and a most honorable position to be the master of your own de destiny from henceforth. All that you need is the know-how. The scriptures supply that know-how then having had that know-how supplied to you, you as an individual become the master of your own destiny. God is no respecter of persons. He is not going to make an exception in your case because if he did not make an exception in his beloved son's case when he cried as it were and sweat as it were great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And it was not possible for God, in order to be consistent with himself, to make an exception on behalf of Jesus. We may rest assured it's almost blasphemous to think that God would make an exception in our case. But you can rest assured in this. If God is no respecter of persons in that sense, he is also no respecter of persons in this sense. Whosoever will out of every nation, kindred, and tongue that has eyes to see and ears to hear is acceptable with him. So you can see, brothers and sisters, in the light of truth, what a high position we occupy. We have not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. Well, let us remember what has been predestinated. That truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with my glory as the waters cover the sea. It has now been predestinated that Christ shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients glories. But it's up to you as a free individual to decide for you to decide according to the course that you take as to whether or not you'll have a part or a lot with him in that day.